Show number 68 of Look at His Butt. LT and JK talk Trek. Show 68. Yeehaw! Yes, it is. Show 68. And we kick it off <laughs> with Bill riding and roping. Oh, and not dying on screen anyway. But pretty much implied that he's going to. Well, we're just going to jump right into this one. We just watched a movie that we've had for a while but didn't get around to watching until just this very moment called Kingdom of the Spiders. Ooh. 1977. And did you know Kingdom of the Spiders has its own Wikipedia entry? What does it say? Which is far more informative than the IMDb entry, I must say. Okay, tell so us what I would, it says. So I would refer people to this one. Well, it gives all of the production information. Um, and it says, the film is one of the better remembered entries in the Nature on a Rampage sub-genre of science fiction, um, due in part to its memorable scenes of people and animals being attacked by tarantulas, its availability on home video and airing on cable TV, but primarily because of Shatner's starring role. Yay! Which I would totally agree with. So they give a, a pretty good recapping of the plot, and uh, they talk about how it was like other movies, including Night of the Living Dead, which we were saying as yes, we were watching yes. it right there. And then they said that they used 5,000 tarantulas in here, and they spent $50,000 of the film's $500,000 budget went toward the purchase of spiders. So they spent a lot of money so on So what did them. they do with all these spiders afterwards? Um, you know, it doesn't say that. Um 
And so it, since they purchased them, it re- they, the spiders were theirs to do with, so if some of them got killed, who cares? Yeah, so it says that, um, yeah, a lot of spiders got killed. Many tarantulas died during production, partly because some of the creatures couldn't handle the changes in temperature and climate during production, but more because of the scenes where people are squishing them and cars are running them over and <laughs> all that kind of stuff. So uh, they said they couldn't make a movie like that now because uh, there would be, you know, the animal rights people to make sure that they didn't kill the spiders. Right. So there you go. Um, Let's see. I'm trying to think if there's any other good thing here. Um, No, I I don't think so. Um, They did say that they auditioned several actresses for the role of the female lead, Diane Ashley, um, who were rejected when they showed apprehension towards handling live tarantulas. Well, so there you go. I would have been one of those. <laughs> so um, let's we can recap the plot. Pretty we quickly. don't even have to. Let's skip the plot. Oh, okay. This town is invaded by spiders and everybody dies. There, we got the plot. Okay. There let's you talk go. about the important stuff. Bill oh. looked fantastic. He looked absolutely great. So this is 1977. This is a year before the movie. Well, the movie came out in 79, so yeah, they probably started filming, filming it in, in 78. 78 I yeah. think so. So I, I was a little concerned about how he was going to look because, you know, there were times when he did not look so great in mm-hmm. the 70s, but mm-hmm. he looked absolutely fabulous. And even his toupee looked good. Yep. And he was slim oh. and fit. Very fit. And tan. Oh, tan. Very tan. Chest hair showing. Uh huh. Now, sadly, there were no shirtless shots of him. No, there were no shirtless shots. But as I said, he was riding, he was roping, mm-hmm. he was running. He was kissing women. He was kissing women. He was coming on to women. He was showing a ton of basket. And oh. there was one scene, which I'm going to screen cap, where it was basically his ass being featured on screen. He yes. just walked right in front of the camera, and there it was, just huge, and, and, looking and great. wearing the... A denim thong <laughs> is the only way I can describe these jeans because they are so far up his ass. Yep, no underwear. Clearly, no underwear. Oh, and the incredible um, showing scene when he um, is oh, answering yeah. the phone. Just like a hard-on right there. In yeah, oh, yeah. Pretty amazing. Yeah. Oh, man. And just look at, looking gorgeous. Looking pretty gorgeous. So, I got to say, this was not as bad as I thought it was going to be. No, but not as good bad as I had hoped it would be. Yeah, I think it was, it lacked certain camp elements that would have made it more fun. So I can see how at the time this might have been actually kind of a good drive-in movie to go see, Mm -hmm. where you'd be a little bit scared. Because there were scenes when the spiders drop on people where you go, ah, it's kind of creepy like that. And, um, you know, I have to say, for a, a pretty low-budget movie, the acting overall was pretty good. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the other people who were in it were not bad. Right. You know, they weren't awful and, and spinning their lines out. And there was nobody who was overacting to such an extent that you wanted to throttle them. So, mm-hmm. you know, I thought they did a pretty good job. Now, if you um, – I'm not sure if it's on YouTube or what. I think it's on YouTube. Somebody did a clip of that opening scene of, of Bill – um, roping Marcy. Oh, really? Yeah, and I said roping, not raping. He <laughs> literally uses his lariat to run her down and jump on her. So um, you might be able to find that little snippet to look at. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Um, there were some sort of questionable things where Marcy plays his sister-in-law because, as I mean, we found this pretty laughable, but it was such a cliche where he talks about his brother, oh, his younger brother that he loved so much, blah, 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 and we were both like, okay, he's dead. And then the very next thing Bill says is, yeah, he was killed in Nam. His second day there. His second day there. What a shame. 
So Marcy is his sister-in-law, but they have... But some, they didn't follow up. They should have been then Vietnamese spiders. So Bill's character could have had right. some personal exactly. stake some personal in investment uh, this. In it. Um, so his relationship with her is not very brother-in-lawly. It's, it's more like waiting to jump on her. And she's clearly in love with him because when she finds out he has a girlfriend or he's banging some other woman, she bursts into tears in the house. Right. So that was a little odd. Um, and then there's another scene where there's another couple who's staying at the lodge and um, the husband hits on another woman while his wife is sitting right next to him having uh-huh. dinner practically. So yeah, that yeah, that was, that was weird. And the, the phone operator... <laughs> She's she's Ernestine's mother. I mean, yeah. she looks like Ernestine, but she's older and heavier and weird. Very very weird. So the woman who played um, the the female lead, her name her name really is Tiffany Balling. She was not bad. I mean, she was no really. Come on, in this role, she was not that bad. She well, remember when she first came on, we thought she was a drag queen. Yeah, and we yeah. we you know she was very strange. And then when she starts talking to the spider, she had a Minnesota <laughs> accent. Oh, yeah. hello there, you little fellow. Now, well, let's take you outside. And I said, what? <laughs> that was a little strange, but I, she could have been much worse. That's true. You know, and she was able to to do the things. I mean, she held the spider, and she got to, you know, like do stuff like nail wood and. Wood I and think all. She, she was mainly cast because she was okay with handling the spider. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, which is fine. Ah, so what a strange movie it was. So Bill plays a vet, and his name is Rack. Yeah. And you get to find out why his name is Rack in the movie. We won't spoil it for you. <laughs> I know you'll want to find that out. Um, and, you know, in the end, I guess the spiders win. Oh, absolutely. It's their kingdom. It's their kingdom. And we were pretty amused throughout by, you know, how clever the spiders were, that they were, like, um, jacking cars and cutting telephone lines and basically forming little armies and communicating telepathically. Mm-hmm. And, you know, really working together as a unit, which you don't often find spiders doing. Well, that's what she was saying. These spiders had organized. They were. They, they were. Into an army. And and they were pretty handy. I mean, they were blowing fuses. Yeah. You know, and even people can't mostly do that. Mm-hmm. So. But, yeah, these were these were incredibly clever and, and devious They spiders. were. They were spiders that could use their hands like like I mean, their their little legs like hands. They could unscrew things and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. So, wow, pretty scary. But yeah. we never did find out why, aside from the in the DDT, the DDT that made them smarter somehow. Well, it, what the woman, the entomologist or whatever she was mm-hmm. supposed to be, was saying was um, that with larger spiders, DDT, they become immune to it and actually become more aggressive and so, so these obviously had been ddt bombed or something and uh you know what this needed at the end yeah instead of those strange drawings of the town totally encased in spider web was finally for um a single spider to turn and look in the camera oh. and go hey, hey, hey. you're next yeah. yeah that would have been good yeah the spiders didn't talk almost well, at one point I thought they were screeching and yeah. turned out to be all the people who were being killed by the spiders. <sighs> but, um, you know, we can check it off the list. Yeah, we've seen it. I was going to say, is your Shatnerica around? Because uh, I, I would love so. to see what the Shatnerica has to say about okay. the kingdom of the spiders. Well, I'll go get oh, here, it. No, it's right here. Right oh, okay. Here. I just merely had to lean over. Okay. Pull it up. Um, so handy. Yeah, the Wikipedia article is, is actually pretty good. Um Bill was pretty much the only name brand that was in here. I, I looked through all of the um, other people, the producer, the director, the the 
other folks who were uh, secondary characters. Um, it did say in here, uh, due to the film's low budget, most of the music used in the film were taken from the stock music used on suspense TV series. <laughs> most okay. of the music used in film during scenes with the spiders can also be heard in episodes of Twilight Zone, at least one episode of The Fugitive, and the country music songs heard on the radio in the movie, as well as over the opening and closing credits, were performed by country singer Dorsey Burnett, who I've never heard of. Well, and they did mention him in the movie. Yeah, That's what so. they were getting maybe he was a friend of the producer (laughs) (laughs) okay um listen to this what they say in the shatnerica in 1989 he signed a deal to direct and star in a sequel really yep but after the failure of star trek 5 the new spiders project never materialized wow now it's also got an interesting sidebar here called shatner's world of pain does shatner ever get the impression his directors don't like him It wouldn't be surprising considering how much agony they've put his characters through. Here are just some of the tribulations Shatner has had to endure on screen. Burned at the stake by angry Puritans. Okay, you identify the movie. Um, wasn't that in Devil's Reign? Bing, yes. Riddled with bullets during police ambush. Uh, was that in Big Bad Mama? Yep. Crucified by Ernest Borgnine. Uh, also Devil's Reign? Yep. Overrun by voracious tarantulas. Oh, that would be this movie right yes. here. Melted in a satanic rainstorm. That would be Devil's Rain again. Yes. Hence the title of the movie. <laughs> Kicked off a catwalk by Malcolm McDowell. Oh, of course, in Generations. Okay, good. You 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 scored. That was great. Oh, well, yeah. So that's what it says. Oh, boy. I'm looking up the biography of Dorsey Burnett. His brother was Johnny Burnett. I was wondering if he's related to T-Bone Burnett. Is he? I don't know. I can't find out. I'm looking. Well, that's what they have to say. Mm. Oh, what a movie. So we'd invite um, comments from from folks who have seen this movie, if they have other things they wish to tell us, or um, if there is trivia about this movie that you think we should know. Yeah. I would I would really like to know that. <clears throat> or people who um, were extras in it. I'd love to hear about that experience. Cause remember, tell the, tell our listeners what you were saying about the uh, extra, the person who did the casting, what they told them. Oh, well, I see, um, they used real spiders in a lot of the movies, but they also obviously used fake ones that were made out of rubber or perhaps felt or something. And I think that the casting director, when they were looking for extras, said to people, you get 10 bucks a day if you get a felt spider staple to your shirt. You get 20 bucks a day if you let a real tarantula crawl all over you. And there were enough people with real tarantulas crawling all over mm-hmm. them. So they, they certainly had people. And they did film it in um, Arizona. Mm-hmm. And they did um, have sponsorship from Miller because there was a lot of Miller beer <laughs> consumed in this. And they also got that Mercedes-Benz that, that uh, right. Tiffany was driving for free. And... Uh, we saw some Shatner swallows. A few. They weren't classic, though. They no. weren't total classic ones. No. But he was having a good time drinking that Miller beer, i got to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there were a couple scenes we noticed. Um, clearly, they didn't do multiple takes on a lot of these. And there were several scenes where the actors were, in fact, surprised and maybe even bit by the spiders, where they'd be in the middle of a scene and, and they were supposed to be reacting to them. And then you could see them really reacting to something and being like, ah, oh, oh, get the spider off me. Ow, shit! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's true. It's true. That was pretty amusing. I, I 
enjoyed seeing them get actually surprised by a spider. I think I'm going to have bad spider dreams you tonight. Think so? Yeah, those, those are... creep me out. Yeah, they don't bother me so much. A hundred million of them <laughs> taking over a town. Yeah, but you know, I think it's kind of unlikely. They, you notice that they look, and we're we're looking at my TV right now, which has the um, menu for the movie, mm-hmm. and they have these giant bumblebee-looking spiders <laughs> yeah. kind of crawling on them. They're like Pikachu spiders. It's a little weird. Yeah. But, you know, so now we've seen that one, and Bill was gorgeous, and Butley, and... He really was. And showing, and strutting his stuff. Oh, we got to mention this, though. (laughs) When he goes outside the lodge, and there's spiders everywhere, and he has to run without (laughs) getting a spider on him, Uh he does such a funny, strange, gangling sort of... (laughs) Tripping on himself, walk serpentine, just like oh. in that in-laws movie, to get to wherever he's going. It is really pretty That's funny. That's so funny. You know, maybe I'll try to, to rip that little section because <laughs> it's so and weird. Set, set it to music if you could. <laughs> like, gotta dance or something. That would be really good. <laughs> oh, that's too funny. Oh, my goodness. All right, so there we go. Kingdom of the Spiders. It's yeah. another one crossed off the list. That's right. All right, so uh, let's take a quick break, and then we'll come back and talk about some of our other stuff. Yay! Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the starship Enterprise. Its five-year mission to explore strange new worlds. To seek out new life and new civilizations. To boldly go where no man has gone before. We want to hear from you. Leave comments at lookathisbutt.blogspot.com. Send email to lookathisbutt at gmail.com. This entire podcast recorded on an Apple PowerBook with GarageBand. This is TSFPN.com, the sci-fi podcast network. You found the best podcasts in the universe. Cue the music. Supplemental. Uh, ba doo that's all. <laughs> you sign a lot of clipboards all day, thank you very much. Clipboard to Cliff from Captain Kirk. Well done. I love to Cliff from Captain Kirk. <laughs> I love Eddie Izzard. Yes. And I am so glad that, that you're into him now, too. Well... I, I had heard from lots of people that he was funny, and you thought he was really funny, which is great. And then um, I finally just got around to getting this stuff and watching it, and I was so glad to find that clip of him doing the Star Trek bit yes. so that I could watch it. So people who haven't watched it, I put it up on the blog a couple weeks ago, 
Or you can just go to YouTube and search for Izzard Star Trek and you'll get this clip. Which is so funny and really proves that he's a Star Trek fan. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's definitely stuff about Trek that's done by someone who knows the show. And um, the way the bit just proceeds to, to kind of hit all the funny stuff about it and then ends up with that very long, complicated bit about all the different phaser settings mm-hmm. is just hilarious. Oh, my God. Well, and it also fit, gets in a bit that kind of fits into one of our themes, which is all these strange um, jobs in the Enterprise that we never heard much mm-hmm. about. And when they're going to beam down, the, the extra person they bring down with them in this particular case is um, Stevens. From accounts. From accounts. <laughs> Um, he thought he'd beam down because uh, they've been coming back with some pretty strange expenditure reports. And uh, so he's going down with them. And I just love the idea of the ship's accountant. I think that's great. And this guy has to, you know, report to Starfleet. Mm-hmm, right. And, and tell them, you know, they're, they're spending too much. Spending too much? Who's eating those $400 lunches? Yeah. There were only two of you beaming down. <laughs> just wasting too much stuff. Stop so it. Eddie Izzard has I- identified oh. one, you know, and we've got the ship's yoga instructor, right. and the, the ship's um, interpretive dancer, the mm-hmm. ship's clown, mm-hmm. the ship's embroiderer. I just love the ship's accountant, though. Yes, I, I think. think he's my new favorite, Stevens. <laughs> he probably has some really special relationship with Scotty, you know? <laughs> Just because, Scotty, it was like that article we were talking about in the Boarding the Enterprise book where engineering's always asking for way more than they actually need, knowing they won't get everything mm-hmm. they ask for, but they will get more than enough to do what they need to do. Yes. So, yeah. Yep. <sighs> and interestingly enough, I came to know about Eddie Izzard because of my love of track. Really? Um, I'd never heard of him, but, you know, because I... Had written and posted lots and lots of, of Trek stories. I heard from many interesting people, and one of them uh, is a person who I've con- continued to email back and forth with. Her name is Sue, and she lives in New Zealand. And we've chatted about many things, and she had told me about this incredibly funny stand up named Eddie Izzard, and she said, Oh, and he's a big Star Trek fan, and he's so funny, and she just loves him. And I happened to catch on one of the cable channels one night when they were showing one of his shows. Mm -hmm. And I was howling. And, of course, immediately after that, I had to hunt down all the the other ones and watch them. And so, you know, thanks to Star Trek, I came to know about Eddie Izzard, (laughs) who I think is hysterical. And if you are not watching his TV show, The Riches, you're you're missing some really good television there, too. Mm -hmm. So, anyway... So hurrah you, for Eddie. Hurrah for Eddie. And if you want to see more of his stuff, um, someone has very kindly posted all of his recorded stuff to YouTube uh, in sort of nice bite-sized chunks, about 10 minutes or so. Mm-hmm. But I think all five or six of his stand-up things that have been released on DVD are on YouTube, so everybody can go and watch them. Right. Or Netflix has them all if mm-hmm. you're a Netflix person. And I would personally rather watch stuff like that on TV than on the uh, computer. Mm-hmm. But anyway... Oh, he's so funny. He is. So I'm glad we started out with that. That's it. Okay. Um, did you want to do this? Yeah, I'll do okay. that one now. So um, somebody who listens to our show occasionally is um, a guy named Phil Plate, who's the bad astronomer, <laughs> which I just love. He's a real astronomer. Like, he does this for a living. And he writes a great blog that's very popular in the astronomy and scientific circles. And he's also um, big in the skeptical movement as well. And he and I have corresponded a little bit. He thinks the show is funny. 
and has sent me some comments on it. But I was just really um, pleased to see that he recently posted on his blog something about Star Trek, which I thought was funny, and I'll read it because it's pretty short. So he says... um, he was flipping around the channels, he couldn't find anything to watch, and all of a sudden, click, it's Star Trek. So he says, win, a classic Trek, and it's Tomorrow is Yesterday, a good one. The Enterprise is thrown back in time to the 1960s, and they accidentally beam aboard an Air Force pilot, and antics ensue. <laughs> That's the one we said was like a Warner Brothers yeah, cartoon. Yeah, it was, yes. so there were antics. There were. Um, at the end, to get back to the future, they have to warp to the sun, use its magnetic field to pull them in, and then that will somehow throw them first back in time a little way, and then forward back to their present. Okay. <laughs> So I'm watching and I realize that this is one of the upgraded, refurbished tracks. They digitally remastered and cleaned up the old films, added some computerized effects. Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's not so good. In this episode, I got a chuckle out of seeing that they used special effects to make the ship's chronometer be more digital looking (laughs) instead of the silly rotating tumblers they used to have back in the 60s. So I'm kind of looking forward to seeing that. Yeah. Then he says, but then there was a what the heck moment. As they warp past the sun, they use a lot of the new effects, which looked okay. You can see the Enterprise approach the sun and then move off to the right side of the sun as it starts to warp around. The ship banks left to port. Now, I can forgive the idea that you don't need to bank in space. (laughs) No air, so nothing to bank against. I'm used to it. Plus, they had to put it in. In the original footage, we see the crew suddenly lean to one side when Sulu throws the switch. But there was one thing the effects guys maybe should have thought through first. We see the ship banking to the left to port since it's on the right side of the sun. But in the original footage, everybody leans toward port. (laughs) Oops. If they banked to port, the crew would lean to the right, to starboard. Remember now, in 2006, someone went in and added that warp effect, and they screwed it up. The ship should have gone to the left side of the sun, and the ship should have banked to starboard. (laughs) Then the crew leaning to port would make sense. I know there are a million other things to nitpick on the show, but I give the original show a pass on a lot of them. In this case, some computer guys put the new effects long after the fact. They should have paid attention. They should be stripped of their Trek geek badges, too. (laughs) But it was still cool to see the old shows spiffed up and pretty. Kirk Rocks. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> so thanks, Phil. That was a great blog entry, and um, thanks for, for being the scientist and talking about the scientific stuff. Well, that was just and I good. think it's interesting that it, all the different aspects of Trek geekness, that we all bring our own view to it, uh-huh. and, and what we're going, well, that, that's wrong, you know, that, that, that's just wrong, you know, we each have our own thing, mm-hmm. and uh, so that was a new one. That was great. <laughs> I loved it. And then, of course, you had to end it with Kirk Rocks, which, yeah, well, of course, he does. He does. He absolutely yeah. Does. Um, okay, I want to read an email. Oh, please. This came from a listener of ours in Germany. In Germany. Tapai Chasorik uh-huh. says, and you aren't, you haven't read this. No, yet, no, so. I, this is complete surprise. Okay, the, the, the subject matter was Enterprise on the River Rhine in Germany. Oh. And Tapai says, hi there. The only time I've ever seen William Shatner live was in May 1997 when they had this new ship on the River Rhine, which they called RMF-1 Enterprise. Wow. They invited William Shatner to join them for the maiden voyage from Koblenz. I'm probably going to mispronounce all the German names. And they invited members of our Klingon fan club, www.klingons.org, to make a bit of a show for the press. So we turned up, not really because of Shatner, but because we would get a free ride, and we were enjoying turning up in costume in a big group. There you go. They say that ship was made to look like the Enterprise, but I couldn't see that at the time. Maybe because it was totally overcrowded, maybe because we were kind of booked as an additional attraction for the press, so we weren't meant to go and look at stuff and block the view for others. Klingons in uniforms with loads of metal and carrying backlets 
the Klingon swords, aren't exactly small and possibly dangerous to the decoration (laughs) and possibly to William Shatner. We had a group picture taken with him, and people showed a fight with batlets. Unfortunately, I don't remember much of William Shatner. He was kept separate most of the time. Probably he didn't want to spend the whole ride too close to weird fans, especially the ones dressed up as Klingons and carrying heavy weapons. (laughs) Strangely, I cannot find pictures from that event, but I still keep two empty blue bottles of space beer called Cosmics. (laughs) It's spelled K-O-S-M-I-X which was invented just for the RMF-1 Enterprise and which I doubt still exists. The next day I had a bad sunburn, and because Klingon masks cover the whole forehead, I was only red from my eyes downward. (laughs) At the time, I hadn't told anyone at my office that I was into Star Trek, Uh and I had to make up the excuse of wearing big sunglasses and a hat. Now they know I'm weird, and I would have even shown them pictures. The ship has been redone some years after. Now it's called MS Enterprise. So the way it looks on those pictures wasn't the way it was in 1997. Here's a link to that ship, even though it's in German. I'm sure you can find the pictures. If not, I'll be happy to help you. I'm not really sure if it's still the same ship. From what I've heard, they've built a new one. Wow. If I ever find pictures, I'll send them. And uh, then he says, keep up the good work. I would definitely have looked at his butt had I listened to your podcast. <laughs> In 1997. Uh, well, the podcasting hadn't been invented yet. So, right, so we sadly. didn't have one. But um, I'm going to the link because um, somehow I did manage to find the pictures he was talking about. Oh, oh is that it right there? Yes. Oh, can we make it bigger? Yes, here we go. Oh. So we can see it looking Enterprise-ish. Uh, it does look sort of Enterprise-ish. Yes, and wow. it says on it, Enterprise. Enterprise. Yeah. This is so cool. Wow, that's very interesting. And I just think it's wonderful that the Enterprise is cruising on the Rhine because I'm thinking back to, (laughs) you know, the, the... the Rhine Maidens and, mm-hmm. you know, Sigurd slaying yeah. Fafnir and the great heroes. And here's the great hero of modern mythology, Captain Kirk. Cruising. Cruising. Down the Rhine. The Rhine. Wow. I think that's... That's great. Fabulous. Thank you so much for that email. That's pretty awesome. That is really wonderful. So, we love hearing everybody else's Trek experiences. Oh, yeah. And this is one we had never heard of. This is unique. This great ship. Wow. So... That's pretty, pretty wonderful. I like that. That was great. Mm-hmm. So, um, should I go on to more emails? Oh, please, go on to more. Okay, you wait. know these and I don't, so. Okay, i got to find them. All right. So you guys have to kind of be patient while oh, I'm uh, all right. looking at all right. these. You know, one thing we didn't mention in the last show, which I'll just mention now, is that um, in one shot of Boston Legal, uh, Denny Crane was playing with a Denny Crane bobblehead. Yes. You can buy those. At um, bostonlegal.org. Mm-hmm. And here's the interesting thing. When you go to the part where you buy it, you know, you can buy that. You can mm-hmm. buy some Boston Legal um, shot glasses and things like that. But the company that does this is called As Seen On, And you can oh, send yes. them suggestions for, you know, things that, that you saw on TV shows and want to be able to buy. That's so funny. You know what? We I, I almost worked for them. Not, not really? like getting a job with them, but as a client for my company. Really? Yeah, they were thinking of changing the name. <laughs> wow. And just think, you could have gotten a free bobblehead. Free Denny Crane bobblehead. Well, they didn't hire us, so it's all right. Okay. <laughs> so here is um, an email from the prolific Jamie Dunst. Oh, yay. 
talking about Kirk at the center. And uh, he brings up some interesting topics. Okay. I did find out he's a guy. He wrote oh, okay. to me and said he's a guy. I agree with your assessment that Kirk was the center of the show. Well, yes. And to be honest, and maybe it's just my own personal preference, but it's part of why TOS was not my favorite track. <gasps> if you were to ask me what my favorite show on TV is right now, it would be Heroes, hands down. And then he talks about Heroes for a while. On the original Star Trek, I think you would be hard-pressed to find anyone whose favorite character isn't oh. Kirk. Jamie? You haven't you, been a fandom very long. You <laughs> haven't been to Star Trek conventions. <laughs> the, uh, this, the legions of Spock fans. There are many, many, many Spock fans. And certainly in the world of fanfic, they greatly outnumber yes, the Kirk fans. And there are you know stories that may be apocryphal about people attending uh, cons and wearing their Kirk t-shirts and having other fans be abusive mm-hmm. towards them. And certainly I've seen the online abuse mm-hmm. for, for being Kirkish and not Spockish. Yeah. But um, <clears throat> uh, Jamie goes on to say that his favorite tracks are the the ones more like TNG, which were more of an ensemble mm-hmm. show. Um, unfortunately, I think that those shows are weaker, partially because of not having that strong center anchor. Mm. It's almost like the ball gets passed around too much. Yeah, it's it's a much different kind of show. I mean, it had a totally different dynamic, and they were they were just doing different things. You know, the 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 like we've talked about before. The best of the TOS shows were the ones where Kirk has to make a decision about something that's important, mm-hmm. and the TNG shows were more about not Picard makes a decision, but you know, Picard asks for a lot of advice from everybody and then figures out how to negotiate out of a situation. Right. Was mostly the way things got solved there, which, you know, it's just, it's different. Mm-hmm. And to me, not as compelling. Yep. Now, here's um, another thing uh, Jamie wrote to us. He had some questions about the podcast. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, we could probably um, answer them since we do this podcast. Yeah. Here are the questions. How much time does it take to come up with a podcast episode? How do you come up with your topics? Um, well, it takes us, I mean, we record it and then do, I do whatever editing we need to do, which isn't very much normally mm-hmm. because we just record it and then string it and together. And you kind of touch up some of the sound, I think. Yeah, we... and I, put, I have to drop the music in and mm-hmm. make sure everything's timed right. So that doesn't take too long. So the recording itself, if, if the show is an hour long, you can count on the fact that we talked for an hour. For an hour, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we, don't, we don't re-record things. There's no second no. takes on this, no. that's for sure. And then the prep time is just whatever it takes us to watch, usually what we're going to watch. Like, mm-hmm. we usually tell you how long it takes. Last time around, it was how long it took us to watch five hours of Boston Legal. We watched Kingdom of the Spiders, which was like an hour and a half or something. I think it might have been two hours. Might, maybe it, it was, was two hours. Yeah. And then, I guess, on our own time, we do a little bit of reading and kind of scoping things out. And we... Um we send email to each other mm-hmm. or, or to an account we've set up of uh, things we want to be sure to talk about. Because we're always running across stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. um, you know, either we see them on TV, something we've read, or a lot of it now, thank goodness, is coming from the listeners telling yeah. us about things like the ship on the <laughs> Rhine and, yeah. you know, the, these various interesting things. And Shatner is in the news so Constantly. much. I mean, we, okay, like, uh, we went to a restaurant to have dinner, and on the napkin we wrote, you know, just <laughs> off the top of our heads, the things we knew we had to or yeah. wanted to talk about. And then we get back and look on our computers and see all the emails, and we add to the list, and literally there is so much that we end up 
up crossing off things. Yeah, totally. So, so um, there, there's never a problem coming up with a topic. I think there have been a few times when there was something specific we wanted to talk about, like we had just seen a movie, or we specifically had finally gotten something from Netflix that we wanted to watch, or you know, we we had taped um, a TOS episode that we wanted to talk about. So mm-hmm. um, that that doesn't happen all the time. I mean, it's usually more like, well, there's a whole bunch of shit that Bill's done, and we need to talk about that, and we need to catch up on Boston Legal, and there's just, you know, there's always stuff going on. I know. And we've got a whole backlog of stuff that we still haven't watched to talk about. We've got DVDs, we've got tapes. Just all kinds of stuff. <sighs> we could we could do this constantly, and we would still never, ever run out of things to yep. talk about. And, and you see how little opportunity we have to watch Star Trek episodes because there's so much current stuff going on. Oh my god. So um, yeah, it's really tough work and time consuming and uh, the whole thing. Oh, but it's the most fun thing in the world. It is. Okay, another great email. <clears throat> this is from Blue Jay. Blue Jay has written to us before. Hi. Oh, and, and the, the topic is Captain Pike as Jesus. <laughs> My husband and I have odd movie-watching traditions when celebrating holidays. For instance, we watched Grand Canyon on Thanksgiving Day. Don't really know why, it just happened one year and we continued it. On Easter, we looked for one that took place a couple of thousand years ago. (laughs) This year it was a toss-up between Jason and the Argonauts and Gladiator. (laughs) Until I browsed my TCM TV guide and found King of Kings. Mm -hmm. Guess who plays Jesus? (laughs) Jeffrey Hunter, our own Captain Pike, before he got heroic and was stuck rolling around in the Pike Mobile. <laughs> Not to mention being played by someone else. <laughs> by my crazy Pike. <laughs> so I TiVo'd it and we watched about half. It's a long movie. Yeah, yesterday. Isn't it like four hours or something? Um, I haven't seen it since I was a kid, uh. but yeah. We'll watch the rest tonight, and I'll look for signs of Starship Captain Material. Yes. Okay, you're qualified to be the savior of the world, but could you captain a starship? I can tell you he's no William Shep. Now, Bill is Jesus. That's a thought. A dynamic, take-charge kind of messiah. Yeah. That's what we needed. Power Jesus. Maybe the ending would have been better. They have to change the costumes, though. Those long robes just don't cut it. Oh, that is so funny. It's 168 minutes. I had to look it up. Oh That's God. a long fucking that movie. That is a long movie. Um, I think I read somewhere that um, because Jeffrey Hunter was, you know, this very handsome movie star type that the industry term for this movie was, I was a teenage Jesus. <laughs> Well, I like the idea of Bill as Jesus. Oh, boy. Bill as Jesus. <laughs> he could do that. He could definitely do that. This is a savior who would um, kick ass and take names. <laughs> <laughs> and still turn on the charm and hotness. For the That's women, right. right? And, and, yeah, definitely um, be doing Mary Magdalene really? and all the disciples' chicks, too. That's why he liked to hang out with those prostitutes. Oh, speaking of doing other people's chicks, this has nothing to do with Star Trek, but I thought it was pretty funny. Some interview <clears throat> was asking uh, Alec Baldwin, like, you know, do you have any regrets or, or things like that? And he said, well, you know, I'm married and I love my wife and she's wonderful, but before I was married... I should have fucked a lot more women. And he said, I should have fucked every girl my brothers brought home because I was a star and they weren't. 
And I could have done all their girlfriends, and I didn't. <laughs> you know what that makes it sound like? What? Like all of the Baldwin brothers live together in a big house like the Beatles in hell. <laughs> or the monkeys. The monkeys, yes. <laughs> can I, oh, can I tell you something else really funny? Absolutely. Um, there is a petition going around right now to uh, get the monkeys into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Oh, my Lord. Um, and... There are two different versions of this petition, so I wanted to read you just a little bit, because one of them is very simple, and it just says, we think the monkey should be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Okay, whatever. I actually signed that one. Then there's another one that is just so over-the-top, full of fan hyperbole, it made me laugh and laugh, and this is the funniest line in the whole thing. I'll just read this paragraph, because it's all wrong. (laughs) Okay. The monkeys... Unlike any other band in the history of pop music, rebelled against the powers that were and won the rights to record, play, and perform their own music. Peter, Mickey, David, and Michael carried that hard-won right like a battle flag across concert stages and into the recording studios in the 60s, then into the 70s, 80s, 90s, and today. Their contribution and success in the music world as a band and also as four individuals is staggering. Wow. <laughs> So the implication here is that no other band played their own music. I'm not really sure what the implication is. <laughs> but they're saying they, unlike everybody else, they won the right. Yeah, uh, I don't know about that. It goes on like this. It's a whole page. <laughs> but the thing that I love is the word staggering used in this combination, because I don't think I've ever heard the word staggering used in conjunction with the concept or, or the reality of the monkeys. Unless it, they were drunk. Except if they were drunk and Mike was staggering maybe into yeah. Mickey's room to fuck him or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> staggering. Monkeys, staggering. <laughs> I love that. Speaking of petitions, <laughs> yes, there is a petition to get a walk on the or a star on yeah. the Hollywood Walk of Fame, which you and I walk, oh, right? Yeah. For the only TOS cast member who doesn't have one, who do you think it is? Well, we took a lot of pictures last time mm-hmm. we were there, like the regular cast member. Yes, yeah, not guest stars or anything, but one of the regulars. Doesn't have a star Walter? on the wall. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of funny, actually. It's not his. <laughs> I knew it would make you laugh. I think I like it that way. He doesn't have a star. I do, too. Oh, well, let's keep it that way. I, yeah, I like we that. should start another petition. Yeah, don't give Walter a star. <laughs> He's too bitter. <laughs> Thanks for telling me that. I'm glad I know that now. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Yay. Next topic. Jump the Shark. We love Jump the Shark. Okay, we better explain what it is first. Why don't oh, you explain what it is? Jump the Shark is a website now. Um, I'm not sure how exactly it got started, but it was taken from this phrase that, that someone had coined saying that when a series just went too far, it had jumped the shark. And, and I know where the it phrase It came comes from the Happy Days thing, right? Right, yeah, where uh, Fonzie, Fonzie jumped skiing. the shark. Yes, he literally <laughs> jumped the shark. And that was when the series just went too far. So there's a whole huge website now devoted to people chiming in on when a particular series did or did not, in some cases, jump the shark. And, right. And what that moment was when it went too far. And the commentary is pretty funny. I think the level of wit there is pretty mm-hmm. pretty far above the normal interwebs level. Um, so I went there and looked at the comments on when or whether TOS 
jumped the shark. Mm-hmm. Some of the comments are very funny, and some of them are so incredibly stupid. So <laughs> I want to read these to you. These are not all of them, but these are the ones I really enjoyed. Star Trek TOS never jumped the shark. Kirk was my hero. He is king of the preverts. <laughs> he taught me the real reason why we should explore space, to boldly go where no man has gone before, namely a three-breasted, green-skinned babe with a lizard tongue. And tongue is spelled T-O-U-G-N-E. <laughs> now we know what that guy masturbates to. That's right. really creepy. Okay, here's another one. This is a trepid farce of a show. Trepid? Yep. That's supposed to be tepid? Yeah. Or intrepid. Tepid, <laughs> intrepid. The Martian. The Martian. I think it means spot. Oh. Looks totally fake. <laughs> Not like the real Martians. <laughs> like Uncle Martin. Yeah. Know. As does the fat captain. The special effects are terrible. Oh, well, it gives the nerds something to do. Peace out. <laughs> Dude, thanks. <laughs> And somebody totally trashed it, but at the end said, I did, however, watch The Empath after ingesting a chunk of hash and enjoyed it. (laughs) Actually, that's an episode where you would have to be high to really enjoy it, because it's so weird. (laughs) It probably helps. Um, Oh, I like this one. The franchise then returned to its grassroots with The Wrath of Khan, which proved that James Kirk can never escape his past as a rootin' tootin' space cowboy hero, which he is in his own politically incorrect way. (laughs) Oh, I like that. That's very good. I like rootin' tootin' space cowboy hero. Doesn't anyone remember the friendly angel, a big fat guy dressed in a shower curtain? (laughs) I remember that. was Melvin Belli. Yep, and he was dressed in a shower curtain. The Trouble with Tribbles marked the point at which Star Trek jumped the shark. That episode may even have jumped the Horda. It was so bad. (laughs) Spock's attempt to find auto-erotic fulfillment by jamming live triples up his rectum was nothing short of disgusting, and it was just tedious to watch Bones extracting tribble after tribble shouting, It's dead, Jim, every time he yanked one out. I think they're confusing that with those stories I wrote. Where the tribbles are, are sex, sex toys. I love the show, and I can forgive a lot, but even I'm embarrassed to admit that I've seen Plato's stepchildren twice. <laughs> it might be the worst episode of any show I've ever seen, especially the part where Alexander rides Kirk like a horse. Oh, and that other part when Spock dances dangerously close to Kirk's head, and every single other part. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That is pretty... Cringing. Yes. worthy Yes. Can't believe all the negativity about the hippie show. <laughs> hippie show. This is the best. That was one of the all-time classics. When I was in high school, my punk rock band learned all these songs, and everyone loved it. I'm trying to imagine a, a, a punk version of Hey Brother. And, <laughs> yes, stepping into Eden. <laughs> they must have had to work hard to uh, punk those songs up. <laughs> oh, you- Here's one who's really confused on time. It is a very stupid show. It jumped on day one. They have movies on it. They don't need a TV show, too. (laughs) And that's all one sentence. Who can forget Terry Garr starring with that stupid cat and Gary Seven? Nice try, guys, but we weren't looking for Ant. I think he means any. Future Adventures of Gary Seven and the Wonder Cat. (laughs) Okay. So the show was a camp classic. 
But when you sully the memory of Abraham Lincoln by having him match wits with that knucklehead Captain Kirk, then you've gone too far! Thank goodness he didn't solve this problem like he solved every other problem by sleeping with Abe, then ditching him on some deserted planet to further his Starfleet career. (laughs) Thank goodness. As one of my television parents, the role models of Kirk, Spock, and Bones aided me in the shaping of my morals and sense of adventure. However, I have failed in my quest to find any available Orion slave girls. (laughs) That is so... What the geeks say at Star Trek comics. Yes. Okay. The best part of Spock's brain was Spock's outfit. (laughs) For some reason, when your brain has been lifted, you have to wear those drab coveralls. My friend said it looked like he was trying to open a new business. Spock's garage. (laughs) I'm imagining now that he's got one of those little things with his name written. Yes, Mr. Spock. And he's wearing a a, a greasy baseball cap. Uh And a rag in his back pocket. (laughs) In the episode where the brains in a box captured our crew to do battle in a pre-make of Gladiator, James T. interrupts their betting with Quatloos by making a bet of freedom. And they take it. And keep their word. Right. (laughs) Plus, notice that Captain K. stepped on the line anyway, so he lost. I mean, there were rules. (laughs) I love that one. (laughs) So I say yay, jump the shark. Oh, yeah. I love Jump the Shark. I, I think that um, those comments are funny. There, there were comments on, um, I remember reading the comments on the monkeys. Mm-hmm. And there, oh, there I were some read those. really funny ones on there, including one that said something like, um, the thing that everybody fails to acknowledge is that Mike Nesmith was one sexy bitch, which I just <laughs> thought was so funny. <laughs> it really made me laugh and laugh and laugh and laugh. Oh, crap. I thought this went directly to what I wanted. Oh. I have, have to vamp I have for something minute. else. I have okay, something good. else to talk do about. It. Do it. This, this just happened today. So um, one of the bloggers that I read pretty consistently is a um, woman named Kalinara, and she's big in comics blogging. But today she blogged about Star Trek, which I thought was good. Um, so it's called um, Musings About Orion's Slave Girls. And I just wanted to read a little bit, and then she has a question at the end, which I thought I would throw out there to okay. the readers. Um She says, uh, I never really knew much about that race as portrayed in the Star Trek universe. So we knew about the girl in the cage who was, you know, Vina, but dressed up to look like a slave girl. And then there was um, the one that was, she says, I remember a crazy slave girl played by Batgirl that tried to seduce Kirk. But that was about it. Um, So he says, she says, sorry. Uh, the race has always intrigued me while making me uncomfortable at the same time. Consider their name, Orion Slave Girls, in the days of the supposedly idealistic federation, that there is a race with slave right in their name, and nobody does anything about it. <laughs> the race in general is portrayed as intergalactic slavers and traitors, which the federation is aware of, and they don't even have their direct dealings with them. Nothing is done about this? It is kind of weird when you think about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I was trying to remember if they ever said whether Orion was part of the Federation or not. I don't think they were, were they? I, I, well, I know in, in um, fan and profic, they're referred to as pirates a lot. Yeah, but they seem to, like, they get used as an excuse or they run up against them a lot. Um, and so she points out that... Um, by the time we get around to TNG and, and DS9, we see Orion slave girls in holodeck fantasies. Like, that's part of what they sell. So mm-hmm. apparently it's still going on. And the Ferengi doesn't try and do anything about that either. So the Federation doesn't try to do it. So um, she wants to know at the end of this, yeah. um, 
If anyone knows any books or comic books Star Trek related that have Orion characters or actually attempt to portray the society with any depth, let us know. And I, I think that's sort of interesting. It was a, a, a race that they created in TOS that they never really did anything with. Mm-mm. And yet they'd done, done things with other races that they created. The Andorians right. came back. And um, and the Orions are one of the earliest because yeah, they, they appear were in, in uh, the cave. Yeah, so they were right there, right at the very beginning. But we mm-hmm. never really found out much about them. And I know that they have cropped up in a couple different profic books, mm-hmm. but only as, like, you know, the villain. Yeah. Without a whole lot done about them. Yeah. Well, they were in, you know, weren't the Orions the one in, in Grey Wolf series that started the whole thing with Kirk and Spock getting captured, or am I misremembering it? I don't remember this, Them get, there was a series where they were captured? Yeah. I don't remember this. Oh, okay. I'll have to go back and look. Okay. Well, I used them as the bad guys in Blood Claim. Yeah. So I think they They're get, convenient. They yeah. are. They're very convenient. But it is a little interesting that mm-hmm. if they really are slave traders, <laughs> they're just out there doing it. So anyway, just thought that that was a little interesting and this was just today. So Well, I and I like, too, that the universe has not been completely cleaned up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, that there are problems mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. Hasn't been solved. Mm-hmm. Okay. Here's a website called 43things.com. Mm-hmm. And it's 43 things I want to do. And we came across it because, I don't know how, somebody sent it to us. I think it might have been David Arroyo. Huh? Anyway, 14 people want to meet William Shatner. Yay! And um, the thing is, you can you can... Go there and say if you think it's worth doing, and if you have done it. Cool. And I'm trying to, let's see. I like that The the person who posted this, now this is interesting, and I keep wondering, should we write to this person, his name is Russ, and tell him about Shatner Weekend. Mm -hmm. He says, I purchased the domain, I want to meet BillShatner.com. So I could generate enough interest to get him to meet me. I'm not nuts for the dude or anything, but let's face it. He's a living legend. Email me at russ at iwanttomeetbillshatner.com for any helpful ideas or hints. What I really would like is for him to see the site once I get it completed. That's a separate sentence. Please feel free to send me any links that will help my page rank. For now, please email me at railtrading at railmarksales.com. The other isn't up yet. Signed, Russ. Um, and there's some interesting comments where somebody says, um, I totally met him a couple years ago. Totally met him. Totally. My choir participated in the premiere of the song Exodus, which lasted a good hour. Uh And William Shatner narrated in person. He was a pretty funny and charismatic guy, even in person. During rehearsal, his most memorable line was, and God said, we're off by a bar. Let's see, what else do people have to say? Okay, so not only do I want to meet William Shatner, but I want him to marry me. <laughs> not actually marry me, but be the minister who says the vows. Seriously, could you imagine him saying, I now pronounce you man and wife. Energize. So, I don't know. Maybe we should let him know I, about this. I think we should. I but think here's should. the thing. Here are the other topics. Meet William Shatner and Leonard Nimoy. Talk like William Shatner. Fight William Shatner. Oh. Sing a duet with William Shatner. Road trip with William oh, Shatner. Oh, that would be fun. Not with him driving, though. <laughs> Relaunch William Shatner as a serious actor. He's a serious actor. Yeah. Perform Rocket Man no. like William Shatner. 
See Comedy Central's Roast of William Shatner. And here's a strange one. Work with William Shatner, Bill Murray, and Philip Seymour Hoffman in the same film about retired criminals, detectives living in an entirely old age city. That seems crazy to me. Yeah, now I'm looking at Fight William Shatner because I want to see if anybody says they have done it. (laughs) But, like, there are no comments or anything. Just, um, I want you because I really respect him. Come on, people. Come on, common people. I spoke a word genius. Then somebody else says he deserves a beating. And somebody else says, if you could fight anyone, who would it be? Mm. But there's nobody saying they have fought William Shatner. Oh, man. That's like a road trip. I want to take a road trip with Phil. I'm wondering why fuck William Shatner isn't here. Maybe you can't post filthy things. Sleep with? Oh, well, how about that? Can yeah. you do that? Can you can you post that? Okay. Would you have to log in or something? Oh, probably. Why don't you talk while I figure that out? I want to sleep, sleep with, with... Oops. <laughs> sleep with, with William Shatner. Shatner! Add this to my list. Now it's going to say, who the hell are you? Oh, okay. you have to log in. So we'll be, look at his butt. Look at his butt. Oh, wait, no, we need to create la, a new la, account. La, 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 look at his butt. Okay, look at his, his butt. butt. You can hear the exciting thing. Sound of typing. The sound of typing. I think I just screwed up the password, and that's not a good idea. <laughs> oh, look at his butt. Okay, we're going to be Kitty. And Lena. Yay! Oh, no spaces or punctuations. What? I hate when they do that. Oh, that's okay. just plain silly. Okay, keep talking. I'm oh, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. In. So we're going to do that. I'm looking at our, our list of other things. I'm trying to remember if there was something else I wanted to talk about that I could just do off the top of my head. Um, there have been some pretty interesting things. Well, we could talk about the lost episode because I could oh, sort of yeah. talk about that. So um, we found this really funny. <laughs> Wait, this kind of cute at the part where they have you type yeah. in the blather. It says I exam. Uh-huh. I think that's cute. Um, posted on YouTube was a really funny, um, almost a mashup of, of Star Trek. Mm-hmm. People went and took um, clips from the original series and cut them together in a different way and kept some of the original dialogue and. Um, some of the original music, um, but then did this very funny thing where they dubbed over the voices, and there was a whole thing about how getting this injection would make their voices high, so they were all talking like they had just inhaled helium, and there were some really funny, clever special effects things, like as the Enterprise is zooming through the dark of space, you hear crickets. (laughs) 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 Which was really good. And there are about, what, like eight or nine parts of that? I think there are seven parts seven in total. Seven parts of it? Okay, so it's called Star Trek The Lost Episode, and I'll put up the link to that. But it looked pretty amusing, and I love when people do that kind of fan stuff. And uh, they just had some really good cutting of different episodes together. And uh, there was one part during the, the first segment that we watched where they really did a good job of making fun of that sort of rapid cutting between the characters on the screen, where they did cuts, and then they were faster, and then they were faster, and then they were faster, 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 and it was just like this whole really rush of cuts, and then it finally sort of ended on a shot of Kirk looking a little bit puzzled. So, I highly recommend Star Trek, the lost episode. Okay, everybody, you have to go to, um, we'll post this link. Yeah. Okay, but it's on 43things.com, I want to sleep with William Shatner. And you can uh, sign up with, you've done this, mm-hmm. definitely let us know if you've done it. Oh, please. Or you want to do this, mm-hmm. of course. And our comment that we wrote was, charm and hotness. 
can you imagine? He slept with more women than anyone else. Why shouldn't we be two of them? Yeah. Signed, Kitty and Lena. Oh, that's great. So let's Yay. go boost that count let's for all it. the people who want to sleep with yeah, William Yeah, one Shatner. person wants to do this. It should That's be us. two people. Though. I know, but they don't know. <laughs> they don't know. Well, it, <sighs> we could create another account and, and log true. in and say, That's I want true. to do we that, and then it would be two. All right. That was great. So um, I think... I think we we have covered everything. For most of these things. For our list for today. Let me think what else. Oh, we didn't talk about that. Oh, we could save that for next time. Okay. That would be all right. Then I think we are done. I think we're done. All right. Well, um, this was pretty rocking and rolling, starting off with spiders and ending up with sleeping with William Shatner, which is where it should always end up. (laughs) That's that's a good thing. That's a very good thing. You know, I think the heat I'm feeling is not coming from my laptop. (laughs) Just the thought. Oh, I do want to say one more thing before we log off. Yes. I want to thank everybody who uh, who posted and sent me um, little notes about Buster. That was really um, kind and thoughtful of all of you to sort of acknowledge the official dog of the podcast. And just so you know a little bit about him, he was almost 17 years old. He died very peacefully. And uh, and we had uh, had him for 16 of those years. Mm-hmm. And he had a very happy, well-cared-for life. Oh. But thank you all so much for thinking of me and of Buster. And and you'll always be able to hear him sneezing. Yeah, that's uh, true. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about that. We yes. have his sneeze. You know, we took so many pictures of him, but we rarely recorded him. Uh-huh. So I'm really glad that we've got that. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I think that's going to wrap it up for now. Continue to send us stuff via email. We're always looking for new things, new ideas, new things we want to do. And um, maybe we'll have some more news coming up soon about some stuff that's going to happen in the fall, including Shatfest. Yes, yes. Which is going to be... And we may, we may actually have BuckCon in the fall. We might have we to. We were kind of talking about that. Yeah, so we might have to do that. Be happy if those... So start saving up now so you can come to <laughs> BuckCon. And SiliCon, which is an actual con that we're going to be going to down in San Jose. Um, All right. I think that does it. I think that's good. All right. Peace out.